0: welcome 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 a notable welcome to all you music lovers do, do something, something what i like to call journey. journey to the stage
1: it's all about music the music and more music
2: ladies and gentlemen please welcome back your host your host
1: and our dad brian Fraser, frazier Hey everyone, welcome to Journey to the Stage. This is Brian Frazier and I'm I'm really, really glad you tuned in today. This is a very special episode of Journey to the Stage. My guest today is Dan Murphy. Dan is a Grammy Award winning musician, vocalist, and songwriter. So, is a huge fan of Soul Asylum and Golden Smog, both of which Dan was a founding member of. As soon as I learned that Dan was coming out of his self-imposed music retirement to make some new music... I knew that I wanted to have a chat with him. Dan's new band is called The Scarlet Goodbye, where he has teamed up with gifted singer-songwriter Jeff Arundel. They recorded a new album that is out now. It's called Hope's Eternal, and I can tell you that after spending a few weeks with this album, it is a really, really great one that you'll want to listen to. Dan and I will be playing a couple songs from the album so you can hear for yourself how great they are. Before we get into that, if you could take 30 seconds and like or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast or leave a rating or review, it's a huge help for an indie podcaster like myself and I'd be ever so grateful. So thank you for doing that. And if you're a regular listener to Journey to the Stage, you'll notice that this conversation maybe sounds a little bit different. This chat with Dan was recorded as a phone call on a on a single track so I don't have the clarity of sound that I normally would have on a typical episode. But this is a wonderful conversation that I truly loved and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Here's my chat with Dan Murphy.
2: All right well Dan thank you for joining me and welcome to Drinks to the Stage and how's life how treating you these days? Yeah thanks for having me on. Um, I've been kind of busy again. I took a long long break from music and I'm finding that I'm putting a record out in a couple of weeks, which was probably the last thing I would have thought of myself doing a few years ago, but I'm excited about it. and I'm kind of entering the fray again, as it were, you know? I'm sure that keeps you pretty busy, and as you mentioned in our pre-chat, you're buying a house, so you, you've got a lot on your plate. <laughs> a lot of adulting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so overrated, yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to be talking about the the release of your brand new album, and we're going to play a couple cuts from it here in a few minutes. but. One of the things that that makes this album so impactful is, is at least in my opinion, is what's kind of led up to it. And so we're going to walk through, just touch on Soul Asylum Days, Golden Squad sure, Days, yeah. and then we'll spend the bulk of our time talking about the album. So you co-founded Soul Asylum in, in 81, you and Dave and Carl. You yeah. were like a teenager. Yeah, we were all kids. I My mom went away to, she went on a sabbatical to Harvard, and I think it was 18, I started living at Carl's house, wow. and Carl and I had seen Iggy Pop at the Lemington Hotel that night, we wrote a song, like when we got home, called Planet Zero. Carl didn't play an instrument yet, but that didn't really stop us, so we just decided to start a band, and Dave was in another band from like West High School that was called The Shits with a Z, and uh, I tried to get him over to my side, but he was, at first he played drums with us, we were called Loud Fast Rolls. We were kind of notorious also-rans, but we had a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Long before Runaway Train broke for you guys, you were together for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we started... I think our first record came out in 83. We signed to Twin Tone Records over a pitcher of beer in Madison. We opened for the replacements at at a show, and um, their manager, Peter Jesperson, signed us, and we made, I think, three or four records for them, and then we got signed to A&M in the mid-'80s. And after that, we... Kind of broke up for a while, and then we signed with Columbia. And the first record we made for them was kind of wildly successful for a little bit. Such a neat story. In that, yeah, I mean, when you know, Grave that... Dancers came out, we were like ten or eleven years into our career, which is crazy, right? Yeah, but but I'm glad you guys persevered. And that thing just broke. That you you guys won a Grammy for that. You know, who accepted our Grammy for us that night? Who's that? Meatloaf. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> The, the weird thing is, it's probably inside, but they tell you that you won, like, that day. So I knew we won. And I really? was super excited about it. Yeah, and Dave wasn't in, in New York. It was at Radio City that year. And I didn't want to sit in the TV seats because, like, you know, like, I'm a bad actor. Like, they'd be looking at me, and I'd probably be laughing because I fucking already knew I won. <laughs> so I went with uh, Tabitha Soren, who was a VJ at MTV in Wayne, the yeah. singer in The Flaming Lips. That was my party that night. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was super exciting, and it kind of changed our world for a while. I mean, I think we were all really proud of that record and that track in particular. The video that we didn't have much to do with really was the thing that put us on the map, I think. Well, it's very artistically done. I mean, what a ride that must have been for you guys. Because, one, you're you're still quite young. You're touring all over. You're selling huge amount of albums, Grammy. I mean, was that just insane to to live
0: through?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it it seemed like... I don't know, like in hindsight, like it kind of feels like when you're on one of those people walker things at, a, at an airport that's like at the track that's moving.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like
2: that. And then when you step off that, it feels really jolting to you when you're like on solid ground. Right. That's very much what like being in the band for like those five or six years felt like you were always on the track that was, you know, like the, the elevator moving you forward. Man, that's just so crazy because there would, particularly in the United States and Europe, everybody knew, who Soul of Silent was, because, because it wasn't just Runaway Train. You guys had so many great songs. Yeah, I mean, the albums. A&M stuff, there's, you know, a couple, like, Cartoon and sometimes we return. We thought we could maybe make some headway there, but, you know, it was kind of a different time, and I feel like we were kind of on hi- hiatus, and I heard Nevermind, and I was like, that mm. could be something, you know, and it, it was, I think they signed a weird label, sort of, but it was so weird, it, like, kind of came full circle, and then a band that everybody respected was Soul Sound and, like, we had I mean, I think Runaway Train's a beautiful song, but it's a, a fucking ballad, you know, which is so... Right. we Like, kind of bad timing, sort of, you know? Well, it, it is. I know what you mean, because it, it doesn't truly represent, like, when I think of Soul Asylum, I think of, you know, some more of the gritty stuff, the, the harder sure. edge stuff, but... Yeah, and I, I didn't write that song, Dave. David. I, I mean, I think it's just a beautiful composition and It's really yeah, earnest sure. and lovely lyrics, earth and sky, the whole mm-hmm. thing. I love the track, but it was, like, kind of a... Um, like an anomaly for us almost right yeah there are other bands who go through that i remember when extreme broke in like the late oh, 80s more, more than there. words right yeah. yeah it's like you it's like everybody power knows ballad, their songs, but, but they're hair. a rock band you know what i mean so yeah, <laughs> yeah. man it, and how cool it is because not many bands get to have a multi-platinum album but that's super cool that you guys do i mean that's it's incredible yeah, I mean, we were pretty – No, I guess we weren't really surprised. By that point, I think we were pretty good. We had toured a lot, and mm-hmm. we were a pretty well-rounded machine that really had played a lot of shows under a lot of experiences. We'd sucked a bunch. We played great a bunch. You know, so we'd been kind of – when that kind of happened, we were kind of like, told you bitches, because everybody was kind of, you know, like kind of saw us as also rams, you know? yeah. And for 21 years, I mean, you you were with that band a
0: long
2: time. I don't think I've done anything for 21 years other than live. Add a so. decade, dude. 31 years. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, that's the longest mm-hmm. thing I've ever committed to in my life, for sure, by like 20 years as well. <laughs> you know, it wasn't <laughs> all super fun. It was kind of fun on the way up. It was kind of fun when you're up. And then on the way down, it's kind of humbling. So that's, you know, it's, I guess it's like... You know the circle of life, right there. Well, it reminds me of a song we were just talking about before we were recording. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're down, you're down yeah. <laughs> With my face all laid to waste by years of wine, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what a lyric. That's pretty good. You go, Garo, birthday boy. Garo Larson, birthday boy today. That's uh, that's his po- uh, poetic musings right there.
0: Happy yeah, birthday, I Gary Loris.
2: Happy birthday, Gary! Yeah, I just put up a post. I, in this, my opinion, I consider him to be one of the best songwriters in American music history. So that's just my opinion of Gary. I just love his writing. Yeah, the crazy like thing that. about like being in the smog, you know, it's like go to a recording studio, and I'm used to Dave singing, which is super nice, and my singing, which is more of an acquired taste. To listen to like like Gary Lewis or Jeff Tweedy when they open up their mouth to sing to it's like it's like holy, it's like a whole different thing, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I love I love Gary. So for those who don't know, Golden Smog. I mean, it, this was a super group consisting of members from different bands, who would you know get together and record when you had time away from your regular bands. And so I know the initial lineup was was pretty fluid, but settled into you, uh, Gary Loris and Perlman from the Jayhawks, of course, and Jody Stevens from Big Star, Craig Johnson from Run, Run Westy yep. Run. I always have trouble with that one. And of course, yeah, tweet from Wilco. No, no yeah. That's quite a quite a lineup, yeah, we made quite a few a records, and I think Weird Tales was like kind of the one where we sort of peaked I mean, I think the songwriting was pretty good on that, and Gary played piano mm-hmm. on a bunch of it, and it was fun, you know, like touring was really fun it was we were well received, yeah. it just got to be a thing where you know, depending on how your other career is going like that's about as much attention as you wanna give Golden Swan because I mean you know everybody was so busy and like you know careers ebb and flow so when mine was ebbing I'd like the flow of the golden smog but usually they were flowing
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's
2: really hard to figure out how that band fit into your life cycle and your you know you're paying your rent and and, you know getting your musical satisfaction but I'm I'm very proud of that the work that we did and I I really I love those guys all of them they're pain in the ass but they're really good guys (laughs) Well, I didn't realize that, that Dave Perner was part of the first album. I, I didn't know yeah. until I was digging into my research a little bit. He played drums, um, and then he started to have like hearing problems, like tinnitus and stuff, and he was very concerned about yeah. playing drums. And he's like, what if I find you a drummer? Is that going? Cool? I was like, sure. So he got us like Chris Mars, which is pretty cool. And yeah. he played on the first <laughs> EP. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of, we started that, we did a lot of really bad cover bands. And we'd be like Balby, Pills, Hash, and Guns or something. You know, we play like just a bunch of – we had like all these one-offs and it kind of turned into Golden Smog
0: with so the cool. same kind of
2: like flying attitude, you know? Well, as I mentioned, I got to see the Another Fine Day Tour uh, in, at the Fillmore in San Francisco, which is such a great venue,
0: Legendary great, place. great
2: show. Jesse was with you guys on, on File in. But I was thinking – and it's been like 17 years or so since the last Golden Smog album. That's a long mm-hmm. time. Really long time, man. It's it's, it's it's time waits for no one, I guess. But man, that's you know, I think about like even grave dances that came out like thirty years ago. That's insane. It is. Time flies. What what happened to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Do> you <laughs> uh, up for evaluation for sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you think I, I've asked Gary this question too, just after shows. I'll tell you what, what he said after after I get your thoughts, but do you think there could be another Golden Smog album at some point? Um, I think we could do that. I mean, the thing with the Golden Smog is, and I say this lovingly, but we don't get along super great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of of guys that are the guy sort of, you know? Yeah. We get along fine, but I think if we were like a band that toured a lot and like spent a lot of time on that, I don't know how it would go, you know? I mean, it's it's super fun when we do it, but it's always pretty chaotic as well. (laughs) <laughs> the last shows well, at First Avenue weren't chaotic. I think everybody brought their their relaxed resume in and it was actually really kind of it was just a great we played two shows at First Avenue and uh, just a few months ago it was just really just a, the whole house was just singing along. It was about as good as a couple of shows could go. Well, I know, I wish I lived closer. I would have absolutely have loved would have loved to have seen you guys. I know that you guys played for your fifty seventh birthday party. So and I was I was thinking in about five years I'll turn fifty seven and uh, so hopefully you guys will play. Yeah, on. that was kind of the start of it all, you know. It's like I yeah. was just kind of fucking around and I like I looked at this room that was right next to the place that I was living at in this basement and this my friend Jen, I was with Jen are, we should do a show here. And so I called Gary on a whim and I thought for sure he'd say no. and he's like, Yeah, i I admitted that it'd be fun and that was kind of all of a sudden it was on. But it was that was really fun because people hadn't seen it for so long. It has been and it's just crazy to me. It's like well, I, when I asked Gary about it, I'm trying to remember which tour it was after we were, just had a chance to chat after one of the shows. And I asked him, and he said, you know, he said, I would never say no, but he basically said, we, you know, a lot of us live in different places now. We just don't sit around and jam around like we used to. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's a lot of it, you know. Yeah. That is a lot of it. I think, you know, you can do records, you know, where we could just send stuff, you know, via... The emails, music to each other, and kind of work on them yeah. independently. But kind of the smog was all getting together in a room. We played a lot of different instruments, like piano and guitars, mandolin, so everybody would just switch up half the stuff. Craig played bass on some of it Pearlman, some of it Tweety, so it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to do it like ensemble style that way. Yeah. Would you guys typically record live? We would. I The record before, um, done by the old mainstream, a lot of that, like uh-huh. uh, I would say Glad and Sorry, is. Pretty much completely alive. Well, I guess the vocals weren't live, but the I think Tweety yeah. was probably singing backgrounds in like a playing acoustic. But mm-hmm. that's pretty much Gary and I were playing electric. I think we kept all of the tracking guitars on that that are on the record. But I think we did wow. that, that record Weird Tales. We spent a month, but the one before it, I think we did it in five days at Packarder, at By And this good stuff on that. I mean, it was really, you know, we were doing four songs a day. That's. Insane. That's insane. Well, I mentioned, you know, just as we before we were recording that, you know, Weird Tales turning twenty five. I yeah, hopefully we can get together and, and do a yeah, little commemoration of, of it because it's such a, it's just a, it's a great album. It's so fun, so incredibly fun. Weird Tales wasn't as much fun to make as the one before it, but I think it's a better mm-hmm. record because I think everybody was kind of invested in it and everybody was like, I don't know, it was I can't remember. We did that in Memphis, so everybody was like kind of commuting there. We were living there, but it wasn't that any one person's house so like we right. kind of all went yeah. home to the same house we were living in and it seemed like it was a long time we were there it might have been five weeks or something which is a long time for this mog to make the record but We you know, we took it more seriously and um yeah i think it's pretty proud of that album there's some good music on there well it shows because it, it is it's a remarkable album and i really love it And i think well, yeah okay. everything seems like it's another step up from even the greatness that came before it so yeah i can see it We peaked early. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So 2012, you kind of uh, step away from music for the most part. And I remember reading about this back when it happened. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. You know, you were focused on running your business and stuff like that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. But you kind of put yourself on a little bit of a hiatus, musically speaking. Um, For a long time, yeah. I just, like, uh, was pretty sick of it, you know. And I feel like it's not natural for guys to hang out for 30 years with each other and kind of be, you know it just becomes i don't know it's like i wasn't having a ton of fun i had respect for the band i had respect for dave as a writer and a performer and we did a lot of great work together we just weren't really jelling with each other or having any fun at all you know and it was really apparent to everybody that worked for us like you know they'd be really nervous and i go oh don't mind that we just don't really talk to each other you know It's, it's no big thing it was like a working relationship you know but we still kind of gel well in the studio for, I think, that record that we made at the end of Soul Asylum, for me, at least, the Silver Line. I think it's one of our best records. I, I love that. Yeah. Record actually. Great writing. Fantastic writing, actually. Yeah, yeah it was really fun. to had beautiful harmonies on, and it just has a really realized kind of sheen to it that, at that point in my life, and still, I, I kind of find appealing somehow. Do I remember this right that you donated, I think, maybe like a Les Paul to yeah. one of the music? Yeah. So is that still there, or did you did you ask for it back? Well, they did this <laughs> – no, they did this First Avenue show. Like, they made a an amalgamation on First Avenue. They had all these old videos, and they put my guitar in this battered road case in this huge, huge, huge showcase, like, next to Prince's star guitar and stuff. I was like, so oh, – wow humbled by it I was just like oh. but yeah I, I had two kind of identical guitars that I used and I kept one and I was like I don't want to sell this it's been like such a good friend to me I just like rather donate it you know so I donated yeah. it to the Minnesota Historical Society and they made it a big part of their First Avenue feature that they did and I was super humbled like walking and seeing yeah. my shit next to Prince's. I kind of was in the same business that he is that's weird you know <laughs> The color of it was it gold do I remember yeah that right? it, was a, it was a gold top Les Paul yeah I had two of them yeah that I wow. bought in the eighties, and I think I don't know at the time they were like you know four hundred dollars, but they were just you know they were indestructible, and I had two that yeah. were pretty much identical and um I used yeah. them for hundreds, if not low thousands of solo silent smog shows, so I feel yeah it was a good good final- final resting place for that one, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds so mm-hmm. ominous, but yeah, no, that is super cool so. You know, what What made you come out of your quasi-retirement? Was, was meeting Jeff part of that, or were you kind of getting your toe back in the water before that? I wasn't tell, actually. Tell I, mean, I wasn't. I went to kind of a holiday party, and my friend, a new friend, Jeff, I just moved, and I was kind of going through some personal shit in my life, I like just getting divorced, and kind of everything kind of blew up. And um, yeah. he took me up to his recording studio, and I was like, oh, I remember these. I hadn't been one in like six or seven years, and he played me a couple tracks that he was recording up, and I was like, dude, you're recording this shit up here? Because it's just like very humble studio with like Wayne's coding and it's yeah. in my attic, you know? So I said, well, maybe we should talk around. And then we started getting together and writing. And the first song that we wrote um, is on the Scarlet Goodbye record. It's called Paris. And I thought it came out pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's a good song. Um, yeah, so I was kind of intrigued by it because we didn't know each other very well. We're really from different back- backgrounds. But musically, yeah. it, it seemed like it just like... I mean, he has a, a finger-picking style that I've never really heard before or played with, but it just, it just kind of complemented each other in some way. Well, that's cool that you guys went from, hey, nice to meet you, to uh, yeah. let's write some songs and together. it's <laughs> funny I hadn't played in so long. I mean, my chops were just terrible. I mean, I could still no hear it. No calluses, right? No, I'm no calluses, no uh, muscle memory. And so, like, yeah. Jeff, at one point, he looked at me and he was like, dude, who played on solo style records? Because there's no way you did. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad make I got. that as a compliment. <laughs> well... <laughs> but I think he was just giving me some good-natured shit. But I had yeah, really, yeah. really taken off. I mean, I probably hadn't picked up a guitar more than a dozen times in six years. Which must be kind of strange to be so tied to an instrument. I mean, it really is the focal point of so much of your life, and then you're yeah. kind of done with it. Um, but yeah, you know I, like the, I think a lot of artists, a lot of musicians get there. They, they need a break. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I've, it seemed like the smartest decision I ever made, just to not do it anymore because it wasn't. Bringing me any joy, and um, yeah. you know, touring is. I'm finding out with the scarlet goodbye, which we're kind of launching a new record. My least favorite part of all of it is like t- playing shows. I mean, I still enjoy it. I mean, I love recording, I love rehearsing, but it's like you know, just to do that. I think like I probably played First Avenue 125 times. So that's just a the wow. you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's not that's not really a brag. It's just that's kind of no, a no. lot of um. It's a lot of like. Well, preparation and making sure that you're up for that and you're going to be good that night, you know? Sure. Would, would you, do you differentiate the actual playing as opposed to the drudgery of the travel and the packing in and packing out and all that <laughs> well, stuff? Like I if didn't you realize, just play, would it be different? Yeah. I didn't realize how good I had it because like we had, you know, a roadie, like you'd go to sound check and your amp would be set up beautifully and your mic would be on and your guitar would be in tune, but like, it's like totally starting over, you know? So I wasn't as respectful as I could have been to how good the organization that works with soul so was always a pro bunch of people helping us out, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's probably true of all of us. We don't really appreciate what we have until, some until time it's gone. On. Yeah. And forth. then you go and, gotta you're going, I got to bring my gone. old apps up there, tune up myself, <laughs> hook up my, t-, you know, so yeah, it's not, I'm, again, I'm not really complaining. It's just like, no, know, no, it's no. Not no really, sure. It's an enlightening perspective to have. Let's just say that. Yeah. You don't have a guy. You're like, "Where's the guy? Where's the guy that used to be here? Yeah. Where's my guy? You know." <laughs> so you and you and Jeff come from, like you mentioned, pretty varied backgrounds. How mm-hmm. do you think that um, complements and uh, impacts the way that you guys wrote and recorded this project? Well, I don't think he knew much about my band. He probably heard the one about the train and a couple other ones, I bet. And <laughs> I knew I knew of him, but I, I've never heard and never heard his music. I thought he yeah. had an interesting voice. Speaking and singing, and I noticed right away that he was really good at finger picking, like on acoustic guitar. And um, I think, I don't know, we just started writing together. And the first thing we came up with was Paris. And then he's like, Well, I got a bass player, drummer I want to track with that I'd never even met. And I was like so blown away by those guys. I think we probably recorded that song in an hour, and they'd never even heard the music. Wow, nice. So it just seemed like it was really cohesive and it's kind of razor sharp. And it just was really easy. Like, you know, we got tracks in this little studio. I don't think we ever spent more than three hours recording two songs. Like every time we get together, record, we'd get two, and we'd be there for three or four hours rather than three or four weeks, which was oftentimes the case. You know, that is pretty rare, I would imagine. Yeah, some kind of Mm -hmm. level of intuition or something. And plus, Mm -hmm. we're all sitting in this little recording studio, like making eye contact with each other. And I, most of them, I didn't have headphones on, so it really felt like, really felt kind of like interpersonal in a way that you don't get when you're in a big studio in LA or something. You know. Well, that's really cool. Well, let's pause for a second. We're going to play the song Angel Dust. I think uh, you're you're on lead on this song, right? You've you got lead vocals? Yeah, I think there was a bunch of harmonies in the choruses, but that's the only one that was sort of a riff I had floating around from like solo sound, that opening guitar line. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I kind of revisited. I think I used to have a song that was a demo. I think it might have been called like The Only Game in Town or something like that. I never mm-hmm. ended up using it for anything. And then Jeff is like, we kind of need, like, a happy, bright summer. I mean, all this shit was written during COVID, so it's all pretty dreary, you know. <laughs> you got anything happy? So this is my attempt to write a happy, like, poppy, hooky love song, sort of. Well, it's a great one. Let's listen to it. This is Angel Dust by The Scarlet Goodbye on their brand-new, just-released album titled Hope's Eternal. Man, I'm a sucker for jangly guitar rock, so (laughs) this one had me from Hello, so really, really nicely done. Well, thank you. It was actually really fun to record. I just kind of went for, like, you know, I kind of went for a whole different guitar song. I'm playing, like, Telecasters mostly, and then going for, like, kind of vintage amps that are clean rather than distorted. I just really, we really, really worked on harmonies on this record. That's my favorite part of music is harmony singing, like going to see a band that can harmony. I just think that's yeah. where the magic is for me. I'm with you there. And when, when, when you hear people that can do it well, when you've got three parts that are... Yeah, I mean, I just band. saw Sunbolt a few months ago, and, you know, it's Jay oh, with a yeah. bunch of guys. I didn't, but, God, their harmony singing was so beautiful. You know, the whole place was just like, you know, it's just, it's breathtaking. That's so cool. You know, I actually just discovered a, a band you might like then. They're called Blue Water Highway. And, are man, they LA band? They are from Texas, and mm-hmm. they are really, really good. The the singer is a trained opera singer, and um, he's just got a, a remarkable voice. But they do tons of three parts, and uh, just really good stuff. So, and cool. About, they'll, they'll be joining me here, and I think in April. But super cool. So you and Jeff wrote this album. I mean, it, From the time you started, because I I think I read you guys started writing in in 2020.
0: Yeah, in January of the pandemic.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was right in the heart of all that. And the first three or four things we did, we did Paris, and then we did one called Fresh New Hell that I was starting to write. That was like March of the first year of COVID. It was just kind of like right on TV. I would never write that song now because it's kind of of out there. But at that point in time, it was like, you know, like when that shit started, it'd be like, two minutes of the news cycle you know there's this yeah. virus that people are getting afflicted with and then a month later it's like you know 23 and a half hours of the news cycle is out it just it was rough in minneapolis because later you know that whole george floyd thing and the yeah. whole city just erupted and it was just right. really tense to live here it was just a crazy
0: time you know so i think a lot of that's w- on
2: the record because you're writing with that as you know your your cityscape or whatever it just seems like it was kind sure of. Like, if you can't write a good record now, you should probably never try to write one because it just too like it was the time. So I, COVID obviously played a big part in maybe keep... Did you guys write then separately? And no, we both? kind of were a little pod because we started, like, in, in January. So we had a little pod of the four of us and Jeff's wife. Like, we were all... Oh, you know, yeah. we started kind of right before it happened. We are like, you know, I, I think at that point in time, we'd, you know, been in close quarters. It didn't make any sense for us to really be concerned other than, you know, with that little group or pod. But uh, we, possible. of course, all got it at varying times, you know. I think I had to catch, catch it twice <laughs> yeah. or three times, but say la vie, right? Say la vie, yeah. I, I'm there, too. I've got my card punched a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got to say that I'm, I love the album cover. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for good album art. In fact, I don't know, and maybe I'm kind of weird, but there are lots of albums I've bought for bands I didn't even know. That I've dropped that I like found yeah. just because I like their the cover. You know Like mm-hmm. in my mind, if someone has a cover that that's that beautiful, the music has mm-hmm. to be good. And almost, you know, universally, I was not disappointed. And I love the the album cover that you guys came up with. Tell me about that because it's it's a great great picture. Well, it's a Spanish artist I don't know very much about, and I found the image on Instagram. Um, nice. I think oh, the cool. title is "Hopes Eternal" is. It's a lyric in one of the songs and yeah. uh solo song used to do that a lot, like Grave Dancers Union is a lyric and I think without a trace, but I just thought it was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you gotta like to start over a music career after being dormant for so long. I mean, like that to me like says hope's eternal, you still gotta Yeah you know, believe in that is something that you have a knack for at at, at worst, you know. But I like Which, the artwork. I think it's this beautiful image and I don't know, it's, it's it just kind of sums up the whole experiment, I guess, pretty much. I mean a woman sitting there at a wheel, and people are a uh, knife thrower is throwing knives behind her. You know, it, it is a it's a cool picture, and the colors, you know, the colors are are, Magic. are magical. It's, yeah, they're just yeah. Incredible. How much orange can you handle? You have to ask yourself that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, would you say now that you've maybe found some joy in playing? Is it is it oh, something yeah, you're having, having fun time. with now? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never I've never wrote a record before either. I mean, I wrote. Songs on records, but you know Jeff and I wrote a record. I mean, I think we recorded four other songs. We've written sixteen songs in this time. Wow! And so, yeah, I've never really done that. I've never like saw something through to the completion of that. And I always felt like I enjoyed being the guy that just was asked to contribute a song or two here and there. That was Mm -hmm. like not a lot of pressure or or like intrigue, you know? Well, because with Soul Asylum, Dave was Dave was the primary writer. Is that right? Yep. And towards the end. I would keep songs that I was writing mostly for the Golden Smog. And there was a lot of like the record company, you know, guy, Donnie I he was a good guy, but kinda of saw Dave as a frontman and it was very geared for that in that band, which is fine, you know. Yeah. yeah, and then with Smog, you know, obviously you contributed several songs, many songs, but you've you've got a room full of writers and uh, so that yeah. would be so that's cool. I could see where you'd be now finding some great satisfaction this is a project I'm throughout the DNA of this album. And that's, so that is pretty cool. I'm glad you Yeah. I it was a real different thing we tried to do. I think we tried to, you know, Jeff was trying to bring me out a little bit like, you know, and not be so guarded in my writing and stuff and be more comfortable with my singing voice. And, you know, he kind of really pushed me to like write things like charity that, you know, and just the weirder songs on the record. And I think for Jeff, he'd never really been in a rock band for so like, to see his eyes light up, like as we were tracking the song Sandy, I was like, it's like a kid in a yeah. candy store. It's like he's just like jovial. It was so cool to see.
0: That's I guess that's neat. kind of the
2: power of music right there, you know? It is. It totally is. I want to listen to one more cut. This is Panic and Blame. And I, is Jeff on lead vocals on this one? Yeah, Jeff sings this one, and a, a bunch of us sing harmonies. And yeah, it's kind of a little story about. Um, like a marriage dissolution and then there's a club called the killing fields in the in the song and you know the guy leaves his ex-wife's name at the door but she doesn't show up it's like one of those kind of things (laughs) cool well let's let's give this a listen
0: we should explore
2: And this is a, It's a wonderful song. I, I have to say that there isn't a single song on this album that, that I skip. It's, it's really all very, very remarkable. So nice, nicely done by you and Jeff. Thank and you so much. Christ I love here. the chorus on that. It's really a tuneful uh, bunch of yeah. bunch of guys singing along in harmony and kind of makes me happy, even though it's sort of a sad song. Well, that's the beauty of music. You can have the saddest lyrics but sung so beautifully, and it's, it's kind of like the you know, the Velvet Glove. Yeah, the hard punch, you know what I mean? The Leonard Cohen thing, the minor key, the major lift, or whatever that song is, it's like this. That's It's right. so poignant, you know? Yeah, yeah we yeah. do a lot of minor key stuff in this band. It's kind of, you know, and we try to get to chorus. But it's just, again, I mean, not to, it's just, it was such a weird time to be contemplative about words and music and your city that you grew up in. It just seemed like it was really, it was time for, for us to take that seriously and, and really work on it. Yeah. On writing just because it was really hard to make sense of here it was just it was sure. just so convoluted being here that summer mm-hmm. i yeah I, I can imagine now you and jeff have done some live shows are you guys going to have more to come or are you
0: we have 20 shows
2: booked this summer yeah we have a wow. little record release on march 24th is our next or 26th is our next one so yeah we're playing like you know 150 to 350 seat venues and Nice. Opening and doing co-bills with bands, so it really has been a lot of fun, and it, we're starting to get pretty well received already, which is really nice. That's really cool. I'd say and we have forty fans at this point, which is pretty good. <laughs> well, <laughs> your album is, yeah, it is just, you know, you haven't even, you're not even, fully no, it's, it's all just starting, absolutely, yeah. So we're doing some stuff. Um, we have a little record label in place and. It's distributed through universal music group and we have a publicist and hired a radio promotion guy so we're taking it somewhat seriously i mean i think i would love for the music to get out there and for people to like it or not like it and just to have it be presented to them is important to me it really is a remarkable album and i i hope that everybody gets this so tell us where people can get the album now because when this airs uh, it's gonna be, like be- streaming screaming on everything like pandora amazon apple music i think there's four tracks that are out right now there's One called Rosary, there's Panic and Blame, Angel Dust, and one called Sandy. But everything else comes out on the 24th of March. And we also did a video for a song called The Ballad of Julianne. I'm really excited about that. will be released that day as well. Yeah, that's a great song. Might might be my favorite on the album. It's a beautiful one. And so I'll put all of those links where people can – Oh, that'd be so back, great! Videos. Yeah, and yeah, I'll send you a link of that video. If, if you put it on your on the podcast, that'd be fabulous. Sure. that'd be great. I'll send you like a, a link that you can just copy and put on it. That's great. Yeah, I'll add it to the to the notes. And and you have vinyl coming out, is that right? Vinyl, yeah, it's on scarlet scarlet red vinyl, yeah, Beautiful. which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Have to get yeah. one of those? Yeah, yeah, man. I maybe careful what you wish for. I might have to send you one out. You know. <laughs> I probably would want to put that cover up someplace because it's so beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, I really appreciate so, you taking the time to do this. It's, it's been great chatting with you, so thank you so much. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. And I don't want to get away before we talk about your business, your your shop, your oh. store. Well, well, I have a business called that. Grapefruit Moon Gallery, and it um, started out kind of I collected pinup art and calendar art, but what we primarily do is we sell artwork and paintings that were created for magazine covers or book illustrations or pinup calendars before there was color yeah. photography so we deal in original art there was a lot of calendar companies in saint paul big ones like brown and bigelow and Louis stuff so some of that stuff is around and then we bought a photography archive from a female yeah. photographer named bunny Jagger that was down in miami and so wow. we have her archives and we're selling negatives and contact sheets and color transparencies of like betty page and shit like that so it's a pretty good side hustle. Uh, that's cool, and and you you have a great online store. So I've actually been on it. So t- what's the URL for that? And I'll put that in the show notes as well, but so people can click on that. And yeah, I mean, out. we sell like on every format. Like we're on Etsy a little bit. We're on eBay a lot, and our seller name is Grapefruit Moon Gallery. We're on First Dibs, which is a site, and we have a like a, a you know designated website that's just www.grapefruitmoongallery.com, and that's kind of like a. Combination of everything that we do, but it is a good side hustle. I'm proud of the business, and um, yeah, it's been pretty. You know, it's it's had some longevity, so we must be doing something right. That is so cool. Well, I'm glad you're doing that, Dan. I it's it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. It's the first thank time we've so ever much. talked. And yeah, been, uh, yeah, it's been great, man. I really appreciate, I appreciate your time. Uh, uh, you're doing some campaign. prep work and being familiar with the record. That that means a lot. So thank you so much, and I can't wait to hear this and. Uh, I hope people that are listening to this podcast come and check out the band we're going to do some hopefully we'll do a little bit of touring in the fall as well that's what we're hoping for so beautiful come up beautiful and say one. hey no. if, if we're out somewhere yeah. and you're there it's nice to meet you so thank you so much all right yeah well
1: thank you and and i always encourage people to go out see shows buy some merch this is this is how you keep indie art and great artists making music and so Thank you,
2: everybody, for listening. Go out and get this album. You can like Journey to the Stage on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and on YouTube, and all the links that we've talked about today will be in the show notes. And special thanks again to our great guest today, Dan Murphy. So keep your bags packed
1: and join us on our next Journey to the Stage. And that is a wrap.